what I what I would say is that there's something that really gets in people's way, and they're not often willing to acknowledge what this something is. I'm David Oti, and this is The Power of Story and Science, a mix of content and conversations on how to bring your science to life through powerful presentations. Do you get nervous when you speak in front of an audience? What if I were to tell you that the nervousness you feel is actually a key to your survival? Don't take my word for it. In this conversation, listen to the surprising insights from Alex Ramsey about the source of your nervousness. Spoiler alert, there's chemistry involved. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Power of Story and Science. I'm your host, David Odie, and I just had a quick peek at our guest who you're going to meet in just a moment because this is going to be a conversation episode. We have both content and conversations on this program, and today's conversation is going to be with someone who has shed some light for me on how to get engineers to build their influence. And that person's name is Alex Ramsey. Alex, you want to give us a quick hello? Certainly, David. Hi, how are you this afternoon? I'm doing well, doing very well, thank you. <laughs> it's been uh, uh, interesting getting here this afternoon, hasn't it? We had to overcome some technical issues, as, as sometimes happens. Uh, but never mind that for right now. I am so looking forward to this conversation based on the, the background conversation we had previously, Alex. Uh, Alex, you're down in, uh, in Texas, and you have uh, taught at uh, some of the well-known universities down there. And you had your own company uh, doing programs that I'm going to let you take it from there, right? Sure, 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 sure. Um, yeah, so starting many years ago, um, I built a company that that um, is produced programs that were designed to help all kinds of professionals be more effective when they needed to really... Um, hit home with their message. And one of the groups, it just evolved, it just turned out, I wasn't by design, that really, really, really loved what we were doing and, and greatly benefited from it, were engineers, which is a group I know you work a lot with. Well, that's true. And, and I have a background in engineering myself, as you know, broadcast engineering. I, I do enjoy working with engineers and other STEM professionals because, I don't know, I just get that analytical, quantitative mindset. Um, tell, tell me about the work you did with engineers and what was so appealing to them about what you were doing. Well, you know, engineers spend a lot of time, don't they, learning their craft, learning the science and the, the technical aspects of engineering. But when they're in school, they certainly don't spend a lot of time learning how to communicate to others what it is that they know. So there's a gap there when it comes to real work and being a professional. Um, the programs that we developed, one in particular, really bridged that gap. 
bridge that gap. Tell, tell me more about bridging the gap. What what did you do? Well, what I mean gap? by that is, for example, and I, I'm making up a name here because um, I'm literally not allowed to tell you who this is. Of course. There, there is a Fortune 500 company that was a really good client of mine, and among many people that they wanted me to work with was an outstanding 32-year-old engineer who'd already developed multiple patents for them. And they wanted him to go to a major industry conference in Singapore from his home base in Houston and tell the group about five major innovations that he'd come up with. He had 10 minutes to produce, and the goal was that he be, and what he said, be the talk of the conference. Mm -hmm. Well, we worked on it for about four months to get those 10 minutes where they were. Not only was the result that his ideas were the buzz of the conference, but that year, as a result of what he did in Singapore, he was voted engineer of the year. Okay, so you helped him, as you say, bridge that gap between the, what he knew, the very technical what he knew, and and how to talk about what he knew, and how to talk about it to, uh, you know, even though he was actually talking to people in his industry, you know, I know, and anybody else who's watching this, who's you know, willing to be very honest, even your peers don't always, they're, they're sometimes going, what, is, what, what, you know, yeah, I saw the slides and I heard them talk about it, but what was it that they said? <laughs> what was um, it that they said? Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and that didn't happen. If, if somebody can re, if I'm sitting in the audience and I hear a technical bit of information at a conference and I am able at lunch or over cocktails that night share some of that with somebody else. Mm -hmm. That's a that's a huge victory, isn't it? Oh, it is. So tell me more about the process that that you use to help this engineer bridge that gap, as you say. I think from a high level, there's there's two basic things that get integrated. And one is that we drew upon a deep knowledge of theater and psychology. Okay. And of neuroscience. Oh, all right. And and we were able to find some amazing exercises that actually marry those concepts and show people how to do those exercises, help them understand what they just did, and then apply the, the many-faceted benefits of those exercises in real-life situations. And it was a it's a process. It's not a one and done. Um, it's a process. And to this day, I myself use those processes 
when I'm re- uh, preparing new content, new information. Um, to this day, I teach in a number of universities. I use them with college students. I use them with graduate students and even CEOs. And so you were telling me that part of what the uh, part of what makes this so appealing to the engineers you work with is that it is so very process based. It is. It's 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 kind of you know like if you do this in this way, you will get X result, and that X result is dependable and reliable. And engineers like that. Engineers love reliability. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Engineers want a process that works every time. Something something robust and repeatable. Right. And yeah. and oddly enough, even though this is about speaking and the intangible of content that's embedded in one's brain, this process is that reliable and that dependable. Okay. I'm, I'm intrigued. <laughs> it makes me, makes me want to, uh, to spend more time with you and learn the whole process. But, of course, you know, we're not going to uh, accomplish that in this, in this particular talk. Uh, but can you give us one, um, one takeaway or starting point that uh, might benefit our, our audience? Well, one, one, one thing that I, it, it is, because it is such a process, and this program I'm talking about is, is a two-day process to get... Sure, and I'm not trying to short-circuit it or anything. No, 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 I know. But, but uh, I, I mean, I, I know you know, you know, because you, <laughs> you, you understand. What I, what I would say is that there's something that really gets in people's way. And they're not often willing to acknowledge what this something is. Can you imagine? Do you know? Can you guess what I might be talking about? This block thing? This block thing that gets in people's way? (laughs) Well, I I often think that it's... uh, that people are more concerned with how they're coming across than with what they're doing to serve their audience. But maybe you're going in a different direction. Absolutely. And, and this is related. To, this is related oh, wow. to that. Okay. It is very much. You're right on. You're right on target. Here's the. Here's the thing. As soon as anyone knows, um, anyone with any intelligence knows that as soon as the spotlight is on them figuratively or literally to deliver a message of some sort. It could be a report at a meeting. It could be whatever. As soon as anyone with any intelligence knows that, they know that they're being judged. Mm. Because we do the same thing, don't we? You know, I, I remember we, we judge other people when they're speaking. And I can remember being a little kid in making a book report in elementary school. And I was excited because I loved to read. But as I watched the other kids, I'm going, ew, why did her mother let her wear that dress today? <laughs> or, okay. you know, or 
there's that boy that always chases us on the playground and, you know, he, you know, whatever kids do. Well, guess what happened to me, David, as I, as I had those little thoughts running through my elementary school mind, all of a sudden I noticed that I started feeling kind of sick at my own stomach. Yeah. And my teacher looked over at me and goes, now, Alex, darling, seeing that I was green around the gills as it was my turn, the audience isn't going to hurt you, dear. (laughs) And I kind of looked, but I felt bad. And I was too little to process all of that. You know, and I walked up to the front of the classroom to give my book report. And I don't remember anything that happened after that. And for the next 20 years of my life, when I had to stand up and speak for whatever reason, I divorced my mind from my body. My mind and my body were not one. I never knew what I said. And I would usually sweat buckets. And it was a horrible, miserable experience for me. And I'm sure it was for the audience, too, because Mrs. Duckworth, my fourth grade teacher, she lied. (laughs) The audience did want to hurt you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they didn't know it. But, yeah, they 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 were thinking evil thoughts. Judgmental looks. Sure. Yeah. 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 So what happens to us, most people and a few people escape this. Mm-hmm. A very few people escape this. They get just the right encouragement in just the right way. For me, when I already felt bad, when the sweet, kindly intended teacher said those comments, it actually made me feel less than because I wasn't supposed to feel that way. Here I was feeling awful. And my nice teacher that I liked was telling me I was wrong already. Yeah. And so it wrong added. feel that way. It, yeah. yeah, it added up. And, um, it, and until we developed this process based on psychology, based on neurology, and based on some concepts from theater, which really were the psychology and the neurology blended before the science was available. Right. That undid it. That began to unravel it, you see. Because here's the thing, the real thingamajig that's in the middle that causes the problem initially, Mm -hmm. that messes us up and keeps us from being authentic and real and natural is what we call nervousness what we call nervousness. Okay, so you're implying that it's something else? I'm implying it's much more complex than most people realize. Ah, I see. Okay. And, and that make that makes sense. I mean, you think about going all the way back to, um, as you say, elementary school, right? Um, you can probably remember some kids who, when given the chance to get that book report in the front of the room, uh, just eagerly bounced up to the front of the room. They were outgoing they were happy to to uh to be uh, under the gaze of all those eyeballs 
Um, and, and they seem to thrive in that circumstance. And those people probably didn't go on to be scientists and engineers, did they? They probably did not. So, I mean, obviously it's a generalization with many, many exceptions. But so many of the people who do very analytical work don't go into that work because they want to be in the limelight. Would that That's be fair right. To say? So look at Jobs and Wozniak. Nobody's hardly ever heard of Wozniak. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, unless you're pretty nerdy about those things. <laughs> but, uh, but the general public doesn't. Right, the general public doesn't know. The general Wozniak public nearly the way they know Jobs. Jobs was out front and center. You know this crazy, erratic, emotional, brilliant mess. Yeah. Wozniak was in the background. Yeah, and, and I would bet even people who've heard his name couldn't pick him out of a lineup. Probably not. Mm-hmm. You're right, because he was so much in the background. Mm-hmm. Great, uh, great points you're making. Really great. That the the people who who tend to go toward uh, the very analytical pursuits like science, engineering, mathematics tend not to be the ones who are looking for. Um, all this uh, social validation from from all the eyeballs in the room. Right. And so then when they are called upon to be in front of all those eyeballs in the room, it's uh, it's outside their comfort zone, to use the expression, right? It It's, it's not only just outside some societal comfort zone. There's an internal chemistry that is extremely potent. Oh, okay. So we're talking brain chemistry now. No, we're talking overall body chemistry. Overall body chemistry. Okay. Not just brain chemistry, although like stress that, hormones. Well, most people don't know that there are thirty-three different chemicals associated with what we call nervousness. I had no idea. Okay, count me among those most people. <laughs> that the body produces, and they are among the most powerful powerful chemicals that the human body can produce. Now, the most famous, the one we know the most about, most commonly known, would be epinephrine, adrenaline. Mm -hmm. But there are many others associated with that and many biochemical reactions that epinephrine and its brothers and sisters produce. I mean, most people nowadays... They weren't 30 years ago, but most people nowadays are even very familiar with cortisol. Right. Right. People have heard of that. Whether they know what it is, they've heard of it. They know it's a stress hormone. These are super, super potent and powerful chemicals. And the instant you or I or anyone as a speaker perceives or knows or realizes or recognizes or gets any signal that people are judging us, they're watching us, Mm -hmm. almost at the speed of light, those 33 chemicals smash into every system in your body. They smash into your um, cardiovascular system, your endocrine system, your vascular system, Every system of your body gets smashed with those chemicals. And that's a survival technique, right? I mean, isn't that something that, that uh, you know, 
is bred into us. It's, it, because I often tell people, you know, congratulations, you're the result of thousands of generations of successful reproduction. <laughs> All of your ancestors survived something long enough to reproduce, and that something might have been a, a saber-toothed tiger attack. And, and you and I are 100% on that same page. I often will remind people just to get them to plug into what I'm saying, how it is when we're driving in a car and somebody jumps in front of us or almost mm-hmm. causes us to wreck. And we, before we can think consciously, we've either swerved, slammed on the brakes, but certainly the one thing we don't do in the midst of uh, such a chemical onslaught is we don't talk. Mm. When we're safe again, like mm-hmm. we've averted the disaster, the words that might come out of our mouths would not be printable. <laughs> right. We scream, we yell, we cuss, we threaten in our cars, you know, um, what an idiot, you know, so forth and so on. But while it's happening, we the brain the brain shuts off the part of the brain that creates language. I hadn't thought of that before. No, no, almost no one true. has. Right, right. And yeah. and so when those chemicals are happening, um, if you don't know what to do and how to do it, it's very uncomfortable and miserable. And that's what happened to me. Because as a child, I just, the only way I could cope was by freezing mm-hmm. and detaching. Uh, you know, being a intelligent, sensitive kid, that was how I coped. And nobody had the skills to tell me another way. So on some level, 99% of the time, that's what I see. I see people who are trying to, one way or another suppress those 33 chemicals because they don't know what else to do. Right, right. And and it doesn't do much good to tell them, as your teacher tried to tell you, uh, this this audience is not a saber-toothed tiger. They're not trying to kill and eat you. And to the to the unconscious, because remember, the, the unconscious, the parasympathetic nervous system mm-hmm. does not talk in words. Right. It, it doesn't respond to words. So you can know that from the front cerebral cortex part of your brain, mm-hmm. but that does nothing for the internal, uh, deeper, older parts of your right. survival mechanism. The survival mechanism, right, the survival brain. And, yeah. and to a human, to the survival mechanism, for darn good reasons, the... Um, a psychological threat is just as powerful as a physical threat, because mm. in the deep Let's part of our soak in for a moment, a psychological threat is just as powerful as a physical can threat. be, can be, it can it's, be. Close. Sure. it's close, it's right. close. Because think about it, David. In in again talking about how we, how do you and I get here through? through millions and millions of generations of people who survived mm-hmm. one way or another. Right. And part of surviving is getting along with the group. 
you needed a group to survive. Right. If the group is against you, mm. it's as threatening a, as that tiger. Sure, it's a threat to your survival. If you if your if your tribe rejects you, that's right. That is life threatening. That is life threatening. I mean, doesn't that just sort of hit you like? And it gives. Whoa. It sends shivers down my spine to think. Yeah. That. But yeah. 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 So when you're up there, it's not just fear of embarrassment. It's deeper. It's fear of abandonment. It's so deep. That that's why I said earlier, I can't remember even how I said it, but this nervousness that we talk about and that everybody who has anything to do with speaking talks about nervousness. Mm-hmm. But they don't really necessarily um know or have been taught how complex that is, how nuanced that is, how deep that goes. And it's way more than a psychological thing. It is a deeply physical issue. Deeply physical. It's visceral. Yeah, it it really is. Wow. So... Is there, I, I, it makes me wonder if some of the advice I've given people is too simplistic. It probably is. Yeah, you know, One of the things I often tell people is if you really focus on what you're there to do for your audience, how they can benefit from your message, then that can help take some of that focus off how you think you're being perceived. And for, for many people, indeed it can, because you're reframing the situation. Right, reframing. And mm-hmm. and reframing is a very valid psychological approach. Um, you know, at, at some point in time, come through the program and you'll learn a little bit more. A bit more. <laughs> you'll you'll go in a little you'll go in a little deeper. And and I think that's why um, when you talk to our friend uh, Tim Durkin, who may have been on your program already, or he hasn't yet, but we've, we're having that conversation. You're having that conversation. Tim is is a dear friend who worked worked for um, my company for uh, several years and learned some of these things. And um, you know, he he stands by admit, he stands by them today and is always very generous about. Um, kind of connecting other people with with some of the information to be helpful, to help the world. That's what we all want, really. <laughs> of course. Well, from the conversation, the preliminary conversation I've had with Tim, uh, he certainly does seem like a connector. Yeah, um, he is. Yeah. He, uh, in fact, uh, someone had mentioned Tim's name to me, and he steered me to you, and I'm looking forward to having him on the show as well. He's a delight. He's a delight. <laughs> We're, it's almost time to draw this to a close. It's been such a fascinating conversation that goes deeper than I had expected into some of the things that I've touched on as a, as a speaker and speaking coach myself. And, and I can respect the, the fact that your program brings in elements of theater as well, because I have found that uh, a, a, since theater is an avocation for me, something I've been doing for about 20 years, um, what I bring to the stage from my experience as a speaker and what I bring to the speaking stage, stage or the, the lectern from my experience as an actor, both complement each mm-hmm. other. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a lot to do with uh, that you know, whole, whole notion of where do you, not how, 
not how to get rid of the nervousness, but where do you channel that into something that's more more positive? Positive. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I've I've enjoyed this conversation so much. Um and I'm sure that uh, many of my listeners and viewers will have enjoyed it as well. Is there a way that they can follow up with you if they'd like to learn more? I'm so glad you asked. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, sure. It's really easy to get in touch with me. Alex, A-L-E-X, at speakingcenterstage.com. Alex at speakingcenterstage.com. That will be on the screen in our video program and in the program notes as well on the podcast. And uh, uh, I'm sure you can look forward to having some people contact you that way. So thank you for making that information available to us. Speaking of contact, I love to hear from my audience members, and I have made it even easier for you to do that. So jot down this URL, talktodavidnow.com. Talktodavidnow.com. Make sure you put the now in there. It will take you to the wrong place. (laughs) And uh, that will take you straight to my calendar. I'd love to have a discovery call with you and uh, hear what you're gaining from this program, what you might like to hear on the program, and what you've tried and how well it's worked for you. So that's a way that you can follow up with me, David Odie, and the power of story and science. Alex, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the program with us. Thank you, David. It was really fun to talk to you. I'm glad you enjoyed that as well. And to everyone in the audience, thank you for being part of the Story and Science community. This has been The Power of Story and Science. If you like what you heard, please tell a friend, leave us a review, or so that you don't miss anything, subscribe at Podbean or wherever you like to get your podcasts. This program is a production of Speaking of Solutions, LLC. Theme music by Kevin Lufkin. I'm David Odie. Thanks for listening.